Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 91. A saucer of milk at the back door. The farm flourished, and the widow Richardson gained a reputation as a hard bargainer, but one whose crop was always good, and who never sold shoddy for better merchandise. So all went well for another ten years, but after that was a bad year, for Anthony, her son, slew Johnny, his half-brother, in a furious quarrel over the future of the farm and the disposition of Felida's hand, and some said he was not meant to, he had not meant to kill his brother, and that it was a foolish blow that struck too deep, and some said otherwise. Anthony fled, leaving Essie to bury her youngest son beside his father. Now some said Anthony fled to Boston, and some said he went south to Florida and his mother was of the opinion that he had taken ship to England to enlist in George's army and fight the rebel Scots. But with both sons gone, the farm was an empty place and a sad one, and Philida pined and plained as if her heart had been broken, while nothing that her stepmother could say or do would put a smile back on her lips again. But heartbroken or not, they needed a man about the farm, and so Philida married Harry Soames, a ship's carpenter by profession who had tired of the sea and who dreamed of a life on land on a farm like the Lincolnshire farm upon which he had grown up. And although the Richardson's farm was little enough like that, Harry Soames found correspondences enough to make him happy. Five children were born to Philida and Harry, three of whom lived. The widow Richardson missed her sons, and she missed her husband, although he was now little more than a memory of a fair man who treated her kindly. Philida's children would come to Essie for tales, and she would tell them of the black dog of the moors, and of Rawhead, and Bloody Bones, or the Apple Tree Men. But they were not interested. They only wanted tales of Jack, Jack up the Beanstalk, or Jack Giant Killer, or Jack and his cat and the king. She loved those children as if they were her own flesh and blood, although sometimes she would call them by the names of those long dead. It was May, and she took her chair out into the kitchen garden to pick peas and to shuck them in the sunlight, for even in the lush heat of Virginia the cold had entered her bones as the frost had entered her hair, and a little warmth was a fine thing. As the widow Richardson shucked the peas with her old hands, she... And that's our page. So, yeah, this is a pretty sad page. Anthony kills John and flees. Uh, Phyllida pines away until she marries someone she probably doesn't really want to marry. There's a lot of plot, but not a whole lot to analyze on most of the page. The The reference to the rebel Scots probably refers to the 45 Rebellion, so-called, because it happened in 1745. You'll remember the book itself started in about 1720, was it? Or the page? Wow. The book. My God. You'll remember that the story started in 1720, it's been about 20 years, give or take, probably 22, 23, so that would fit the timeline. From what I read, the Scottish army was promised support by Jacobites in England, uh, trying to restore power to their king, the Roman Catholic James II. Though, at this point, I must beg ignorance, because I thought James II died in 1701. But, yeah, I'm... I'm not a historian, and to try to condense what was a fairly lengthy battle w did not go well for me. So I think I have that wrong. I have something wrong. But it was a it was a Scottish plot against the uh, against the the who's in power? Wow, against George the Third. I want to say, yeah, I'll probably cut all that. Harry Soames, who marries Phyllida, longs for a Lincolnshire-like farm. Lincolnshire is uh, in the eastern part of England, near to the middle. The village, Church Farm, is a popular tourist destination in Lincolnshire. It definitely doesn't have the same look or feel as 
American farms, or at least as the farms described here in this story. Got a few more folklore terms, though. Rawhead and bloody bones go back pretty far, at least as far as 1548, as a boogeyman to, once again, scare children and make them behave. Samuel Johnson's Dictionary of the English Language referred to him as a specter mentioned to frighten children in 1755. The stories of Rawhead were more common in parts of northern England. Essie would have heard about Old Bloody Bones, which was essentially the cornest version of the same creature, although it seems like she heard some amalgamation of the two of them based on the name she gives. And this is kind of tying into themes of storytelling and how stories travel. Also kind of a nod back to Language is a Virus from Chapter 2 with Technical Boy. Rawhead was considered a water creature that would drag children to the depths, similar to the Grindylow from English folklore. The Cornish version, Old Bloody Bones, was said to hide in dark cupboards or beneath the stairs on a pile of bones of children who told lies or said bad words, which, oh boy, parents were fucked up. I guess they still are. One way I can tie this ramble back into the novel's themes, uh, 1925, the writer M.R. James mourned the loss of the original Rawhead and Bloody Bones tales, stating, The aged Granams are gone, and the collectors of folklore began their work in England too late to save most of the actual stories. Yet such things do easily die quite out. And this is also similar to the gods in the novel. Their stories are gone, or mostly gone, and no one really knows who they are anymore. And that's how a god dies. If there's no one to worship, if there's no one to acknowledge, if there's no one with the knowledge, then the gods will die. The Jack stories mentioned on the page are the ones you might be thinking of. Jack Frost, Jack the Giant Killer, Jack and the Beanstalk. Around the same time as I read this, I started reading the comic series Fables, and that suggests that it's all one character, all named Jack. And it's not a thing I had considered as a child, I know I had heard of Jack Frost, and Jack the Giant Killer was something I became more familiar with as an adult, but Jack and the Beanstalk was the only story I had heard as a child, as far as I can remember. The stories themselves are not the same as, say, Old Bloody Bones. They're not necessarily tales of a moral compass saying, don't tell lies or don't curse, which fuck shit asshole. Okay, Bloody Bones will not get me today. Jack relies on his cleverness and an endless supply of tricks to get himself out of scrapes. They're adventure stories, or there's some other sort of kind... They're, they're not... There's not a... There's not an end that makes you think, wow, that was... I learned so much about myself as a person. It's more about cleverness and intelligence and sometimes just luck. What's really funny, though, uh, Jack tales are thought to have their origins in Cornish folklore, so Essie could even have been more familiar with them from her time in England, though it's the first time we hear about Jack and his stories, at least within her story. I tried to find out more about Jack, the Cat and the King, but I came up empty. There are a few books out there in that contain the Jack tales, but I haven't been able to track down a copy yet. Um, well, no, I'll talk about it tomorrow. I'm coming up on late. So there's a reference to Jack on the next page as well. We can talk about it there. But remember Jack, because so far he's the 
biggest example we've had of a trickster character, and that comes up throughout the novel as well, though I would be remiss if I didn't mention Loki's appearance as Shadow's cellmate. That's definitely the first mention in the novel, but we don't get a lot of time with him, nor do we get to see a whole lot of his tricky ways. But remember, there are a lot of trickster gods, and we'll see one or maybe two more as the book goes on. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real. <laughs>